Welcome to Behind the Podcast, the show that shares the untold stories and best practices that go into making the world's top podcasts. I'm your host, DJ Podgorny. Let's dive in to today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by Forrest and Scott of the Astonishing Legends podcast. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing very good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, very well. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Super stoked to talk to you guys. Your your podcast is about something that is very near and dear to my heart, which is uncovering all of the unexplainable crazy shit that happens in the world. Uh, as a, I think I can kind of blame X-Files and my cousin Ryan for uh, instilling <laughs> all of these like UFO videos and all this crazy stuff um, uh, like con- uh, chemical contrails and like the Denver conspiracy theory, like all the way from that down to all of the ridiculously unexplainable stuff in the world. So I would love to hear from you guys. Um, tell us a little bit about your show and, and how you got started making a podcast about um, about this topic. Well, um, it, I guess the first thing we usually say when people ask us about our show is that if they're old enough to remember Unsolved Mysteries, that's probably the closest television comparison to us. And if you're uh, even in older, search of. Yeah. yeah, and if you're older still, you can go back to In Search Of, which was hosted by Leonard Nimoy or Spock, as many people know. But uh so it, we just we were always inspired, both of us, by those kind of strange and unusual stories. And it was something we were talking about interpersonally as friends, really kind of acquaintances. We weren't super close. We just we had we were in the same circle of friends and we spent a lot of time hanging out together, uh, but in ancillary ways. But we would often whenever we were talking, we found ourselves talking about the kinds of things that we do on our show now. So after um you know, it's it's kind of blurry how it actually officially became an idea or got off the ground, but it it had a little bit to do with I had um I had hung up uh I had given up my prior career of editing television commercials, which I did for a long time when my son was born. Not right when he was born, but at, by the time he turned around three or so, I was booking just enough work to pay for child support, and uh, my wife was working full time, and I was like, wait, this money's going out and I'm not getting to see him or hang out with him. So I stopped working to uh, raise him. And after he got older and started going to school, I was like, I got to get back to work, get some income coming in. And I, I feel like that was sort of the impetus for Forrest and I sitting down and going, hey, you know, why don't we why don't we do a podcast? Yeah, you know, podcasts seem to be a thing. This was, you know, five years ago, but or six. Well, when we first conceived it, maybe six or seven now, because we talked about it for a good <laughs> year and a half before we yeah. laid anything down. And so then we just kind of dove into it. Yeah, our first show, I think, aired around October 2014. Yeah. And prior to that, we had been discussing how we were going to do it. And, I, you know, I think that really, really helped. And we both had post-production video backgrounds as video editors and a little bit with audio, but but mostly with video, which is a different beast altogether. But so we knew technically how we might start to accomplish this, which gives us a leg up and a lot of people, you know, and, and, you know, I certainly salute people who just dive into it with no, uh, you know, AV experience at all and figure it out as they go along, which you can certainly do, which is the, one of the great things about podcasting. You can, uh, with a minimal investment, start up a, a show idea and go along and, and adjust as you go. And hopefully you are making your show better as you do. And, and technically, uh, a little more uh, astute, but you can kind of dive into it. And so we had that background and really it was about the content. Like, how are we going to do this uh, thematically? And what kind of show do we want? So we were kicking around ideas 
uh, you know, do, are we, are you like a point counterpoint kind of show? And we have a moderator, another friend of ours, who's also into the paranormal and he was going to be kind of the host. And we just go back and forth on like, you know, this is totally believable. No, you're ridiculous. It isn't, you know, and, and, and have that kind of exchange, you know, we had to figure out what kind of show we were going to be. And, you know, that took a little development before we even started. And, and that's probably something you should figure out before you actually get on the air, because <laughs> we, we know people that, that start off and, and then they will change midstream and it's a little harder to do. So, you know, when people ask, well, well, how do we get into podcasting or how, how can I start and, and what should our show be like? And, and how'd you guys do? And I say, well, first you have to figure out what you want the show to be for you. And, and for us, the, the real passion was discussing these subjects because we were doing that anyway. So it should be something you love because you're going to spend hours and hours and hours and weeks and months and years doing it, hopefully, if you want to continue. And so it should be something that you enjoy doing anyway. And so talking about these kinds of uh, paranormal subjects and strange history and interesting characters throughout history was really up our alley to begin with. And, you know, like I said, before we started, I mean, I was already listening to podcasts, uh, probably back in 2006, 2007, when they were really new and there weren't many podcasts on paranormal and certainly not true crime. Uh, there, it was a lot of self-help stuff. And there were some, um, really, uh, I kind of seminal shows like, uh, uh, how stuff works and, uh, you know, science certainly Friday. news programs. Yeah. Science Friday, you I know, so it was science Friday, like 2003 or four riding my bike in New York <laughs> city to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we knew that audio entertainment was, was something viable, but it was also something that, uh, anybody could do that we, that we could do and, and launch into it. And other people were doing it ahead of us. Uh, certainly Jim Harold was one of the, uh, you know, first to, uh, get a show out. I think in 2005, he started in this subject and, and along with his show, there are maybe three or four other podcasts that had, uh, this kind of as a theme, you know, just strange, uh, strange goings on and, and the paranormal and, and we said, well, there's plenty of room to jump in. And it was a good time that we did, uh, because now the wave is, you know, it's cresting here where there's tons of true crime shows and paranormal shows and everything you can think of. And it's really exploded. So that's exciting. And we're, we're, we feel very fortunate. We got in when we did. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned that it, it, it did take you um, a little bit of thought to figure out, you know, what's the topic and what's the format of the show and things like that. Can you walk me through that process? Like how long did that take? Did it, did you guys record some episodes that have never been released or, or what does that look like? I, you know, I think structurally it, it evolved, it evolved a good deal after we started, like Forrest said, that's a hard thing to change once you get going, but we started, we, you know, you want each episode to be better. So you can't help it. Like you look at the last episode and you think what wasn't right about that. And that, that stems, that goes all the way from the pre-production to production, to releasing it, what you talked about and how you talked about it. And so these things kind of naturally evolved for us in terms of, oh, now we have outlines. Let's start doing outlines. For a while, we were, it was uh, freaking index cards on a bulletin board, which um, that was such a mess. We It looked like a, you know, the Mary Tyler Moore writer's room or whatever. <laughs> like all these cards up, like when we did the Oak Island series with various facts on them and trying. And it was hard to keep straight, but we sort of did it. But I guess what happened was we got to where we became, at least I hope we became better storytellers. And so there was an evolution in terms of how we prepared for shows, which continues to evolve each episode that gets more and more and more refined. And then there was an evolution in how we delivered it. And there was an evolution in how we how comfortable we were on the microphones and how we learned to stop interrupting each other. 
and all of that kind of stuff. So that that all came out in the wash, I guess you could say. I can't go back and listen to our early shows because they were so um, rambly and interrupting each other and you tangential. They still are, but yeah, but <laughs> it was lesser real bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there, um, that just kind of happened from doing it. By the same token, though, we sorry on my mic. By the same token, though, we set out to um, to be as polished as we could before we released the first show. And I do think there, you know, to your point, uh, DJ, there's a point, it makes sense to like record a few before you release anything, get them in the can, learn from the experience of like finishing it and making it sound as good as you can. And what happens when you actually try to put it all together. But, um, and, and our, our first interview that we recorded wound up being our, I think fifth or sixth or seventh show because it felt like a strange one to open with. Um, but then the, uh, the funny thing about the one we opened with was that Forrest was hardly in it. It was another friend of our mutual friend of ours. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's, it, it's strange how that all plays out. And now it's gotten to be this model that like, we, we're not afraid to make changes to it and we do, but they're more subtle now. It's becoming, you know, if you make the same thing over and over and you keep doing it in, in theory, you should get better at it. <laughs> yeah, I, right. <laughs> you know, when we started it, it was an idea, you know, we didn't know we could make money at it and we had an idea that it could be done, but that model early on, you know, was a little, um, nascent as we say. So, you know, there was some advertising that I'd heard of on podcasts before, uh, a show would get a couple of sponsors if they were very lucky. Most of them didn't make any money. And, you know, what I would say when people start off, you know, again, this is going back to, well, if I'm going to do a podcast, what, what can you tell me about it? And I said, well, as far as the process, you have to decide what you want your show to do for you. Is it just going to be you and a pal talking about movies and drinking beers and, and, uh, you know, having fun? That's fine. That's totally allowable. But are you then thinking that's going to make you a living? Well, that's further from the goal. Uh, and I would say that you, you need something, you need some kind of direction rather than just getting on the mic and winging it because, like I said, when I was starting to scout shows or just see what was out there already, you know, there was a couple that, uh, you know, one particular that had a paranormal theme to it. <clears throat> and, you know, the, the two guys on it were, you know, nice enough. They, they, they seemed, uh, uh, kind of fun, you know, and, and be, would be fun to be talking with over a couple of beers. But I remember they had a guest on, it was an author and you, it was very obvious that they hadn't read the book. They hadn't done any homework on it and they get this guest on and it was basically like, well, tell us all about yourself. And, and you know, this author said, well, you, you just read my bio and they're like, well, say the bio again, you know, it's just, and it was kind of, it was just, you know, it was just really cringeworthy. And it's just like, you gotta do your home. Well, that's fine. You can do that, but you're not going to have that guest on again. And if any, any other guests, yeah, we're, we're going to listen to it. It's like, well, why am I wasting my time talking to two guys I don't know? Um, that's fine between themselves. So, you know, you got to figure out what you want out of this. Like, do you, you know, when early on we thought that maybe one day after a couple of years, maybe we could make some money with this because we were, again, looking for a career change uh, to do something else. And, uh, you know, I worked freelance for years before that. So work was, it was good when it was in, but it was kind of sketchy uh, financially when it wasn't. So, uh, oddly and ironically enough, this is actually more stable of a, of a career choice than what I was doing. So it's a lot more work, uh, and it's more fun, but it's also much more painful in a lot of ways because this is your deal. This is your show. If you don't deliver on a certain day and you, 
you know, you had advertisers lined up or sponsors for releasing that and you miss that, like that's a big deal. Um, they don't appreciate that. And I can see why, you know, so you have some responsibilities, but you know, like I said, if you just want to get together and, and, uh, and, and hang out and talk about, um, a movie you saw last week, there's a, there's a few podcasts out there that are, that are successful at doing that, but you getting in the field now with over what, 700,000 podcasts out there, uh, yeah, not ninety percent probably don't haven't made a new episode in in what six months. It's eighty percent, or only twenty percent have made a new episode in the last six months. Yeah, right. So which they is all... in, and it, which is it's lame that they don't call those shows or or move them down because people have to search so hard for a show that, uh, and they have to wade through all this stuff, and it's people that have quit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So our idea though was. Uh, you know, find a topic for each episode that uh, we find that's interesting. That has to pass the first test. It's like, you know, does it interest us? And, you know, we hope that the audience will also find it interesting that they're of a like mind. And, you know, but it's, but I think that's less of a consideration because once you get into it, you're going to get all these recommendations from everybody like, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should cut down your show by two hours and make it 20 minutes because that's the length of my commute or how long it takes me to mow the lawn you you get all these uh, requests to for people to make the show how they want to hear it. And, you know, you can take those into consideration. We certainly do. But it has to be something that you want to do with your vision. And I guess my, my point here is you should have a vision. You should know in your mind exactly how you want the show to sound, how you want to be on the mic. And, and aim towards that rather than getting on the mic and trying to figure it out. Because there's just a C of, uh, of others that are, you know, you're, you're swimming with. And so you're not going to be found, but I think if you do something from the heart and you make it as good as you possibly can, uh, you'll get people to listen. And, you know, if you just keep making it better and better, hopefully you'll grow your audience. Awesome. Uh, awesome advice. So do I understand that correctly that you both are now working on the podcast full time? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. fantastic. Congrats on that. When did that, um, you got to walk me through, when you made the decision to, you know, go all in from a career standpoint on the show and, and what that looks like today. I mean, are you guys out there boots on the ground sourcing advertisers or have you joined an, an network? I mean, like what, what does that look like? Um, well for the, in terms of going all in psychologically, I was kind of there out of the gate, but we didn't have any income and we didn't know when or if we would. And I, you know, I had the luxury though, that my wife was working so, and I, like I said, I'd been taking care of our son and we were able to survive on the income that she had. So it was okay for me to not make money for a little while. I needed to make money again, but it wasn't urgent when we started. So that definitely gave me some flexibility to work for a while and see. And, you know, there, there was definitely, she was very supportive, but there was a little bit of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told Scott, bit, is this? Yeah. Ever going to make any money, you know, you know after we point, buy like a thousand dollar microphone or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what I told Scott was she's going to want to see some kind of equilibrium here. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to, this can't be a drain on your finances for yeah. the next five years. So, yeah. So, that, you know, fortunately that, that came to be. And, you know, for myself, I was working, like I said, I was working freelance. So, uh, but I was working fairly steadily as what we call in the biz permalancing when you're just, you're just on a, uh, open ended project uh, with maybe a couple of weeks downtime in between stages of it. But I don't know. We, we, Scott and I look back and it's like, we don't know how he produced those early yeah, shows. Full-time employee, uh, uh, excuse me, full-time employee for 
a good the first year and a half or maybe two. So he would work long hours and then he would drive and it was a fairly good commute in LA from Long Beach to where I was in the San Fernando Valley. He would come over late in the evening after a full day of work and we'd record till like two in the morning. And that's what we did for a long time. And then I was doing a lot of the heavy lifting research and writing wise back then because he had to work all day. And we just did that until uh, until we could make it work a different way. And then um, the well, our numbers started getting to a point, you know, it used to be the threshold was if you had certain companies would represent you for advertising. So the threshold would be, you know, 15,000 downloads per episode or something like that. And, um, and, and that's gone up since then now, because there's so many shows, I think now, then now they look for more, I believe, I don't want to, I, I shouldn't, I don't want it to be disheartening to anybody. So I'm, I shouldn't be quoted, but I feel like there's some of the larger companies now look for 20 or 30,000 downloads per episode before they start talking serious sponsorship. But once we realized that we could start generating income, uh, the first company we were with had done uh, some ad sales for us, but the revenue wasn't all that great. And um, then I had gone to Podcast Movement in Dallas in 2000. I, I can't, whatever year it was in Dallas, I think it was 2000. 16? 15 or 16? Yeah, yeah right. I'm not sure which. And um, we, uh, you know, it was really starting to, it's a much bigger thing now, but back then it was, uh, there were companies that were sort of clamoring a little bit. I think people could see the few, some people could see that it was going to grow a lot. And um, <clears throat> not too long after that, we were approached by another company that seemed to have a more progressive view of how to help us earn revenue with ad sales and that sort of thing. So we jumped from the company we started with over to the one we're with now, which is Audio Boom. And the the way that it works to answer your question about the revenue and that sort of thing is that they have sales reps that sell ads for us and we have a split with them and they negotiate that split with, you know, with whoever but uh, would sign up with them and it depends on how big your show is and that sort of thing. But the split can vary from anywhere to, you know, 70-30 to probably 90-10 or what, any, anywhere in there, depending on how big you are, how big you are when you come to them and all that sort of thing. Where, and if you bring us something in yourself, then you get a larger cut. But, you know, we have a very fair deal with them. And they're, they have this sales team that's really amazing. Um, uh, several of them came from radio. So they – sorry – my computer just made a huge loud noise. I apologize. That came <laughs> as, as long as you didn't. <laughs> um, but they, several of them came from uh, radio. And uh, so they had a tremendous amount of experience and Rolodexes and they know who to talk to and how to get people. Because the other thing is the sales teams that are trying to attract advertisers to podcasting are trying to convert folks who've never considered advertising and podcasting. So they don't just have to call and book the say, the ad. They have to sometimes convince the the sponsor that it makes sense to advertise on a podcast. So it's it's a really tall order, frankly. So it's not something that we can do ourselves. We did try for a minute, but like you don't have any phone numbers. No one calls you back. They're like, who called? It do, it just doesn't work. Um, so what it, it's been useful for us to to have that model, and our ad revenue has grown as our show has as our show has grown, and it's become something that has been able to support us. And I would say that. Um, you know, we had hoped that it would get to a certain point from an income standpoint, and it's gotten to that point where we could both do it full time. And it's it's we we want it to keep growing because we want to get to a point where we can afford to hire more people. Our overhead is relatively low, but we have a 
we have an editor who is essentially almost like a full-time person. I mean, she's freelance, but she does a, has, we got her working a lot. And then we have a researcher and we have a sound designer and, and our, our researcher is also a co-producer. So we have outflows and stuff, but, and we're not, we're not swimming in money or we would be hiring more producers and more people uh, to help because we're still, uh, even with all of that, consistently overwhelmed. But yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> that's, that's part of it. You're at that yeah. growth spurt where, uh, things are ramping up, but you're not, uh, to that point where, you know, it's like any business where you make the next transition. Uh, we were just talking about this yesterday, actually, Scott and I about, you know, like if you owned a restaurant, it was doing really well. It's like, well, what, at what point do you want to open up another, another site, another restaurant, you know, and, and have to double the staff and, and all that and all those business concerns. And that's, a problem with every business that starts it, you know, it's growth and growth at the beginning. And, uh, you can certainly, uh, overextend yourself very easily. And you can also hold yourself back when you should be jumping at opportunities. But, you know, for myself, it, it came at an opportune time, largely because the company I was with stopped calling for work. <laughs> so that, that just got, they just stopped calling we, and I we got lucky I, at there. That point. We got that very timed lucky. out, yeah. like right as they stopped calling him, we were just making enough that he could support himself. Right. That right. And just, I, yeah. And I would say at this point, I'm, you know, I'm was, not making as much as I did before, but, uh, it's getting close. And so, uh, you know, my personal overhead is very low. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in keeping, I mean, the show's the whole thing for me. So every day that is another problem is that it, for us, it's bled into, uh, the rest of our lives. Yes, we are our own bosses. But I'm my own worst boss, and then, like <laughs> it, trying to control my time and 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 manage that. And so uh, you find yourself like, yeah, it's ten thirty p.m. on a Sunday night, and you might be writing some ads or doing some last minute research uh, it, on your outline before you go to record Monday, or you're supposed to. And so it's it's uh, we're trying to manage that part, and it can certainly get out of hand. But a lot of that is it's the way we decide to do our show, which is our organically evolved into taking really in-depth looks at various topics that's just by our own personal nature so that's worked out because we're both like that uh, on the other hand that eats up a lot of time when you decide to do you're going to do more than 25 minutes on a topic and uh, and be done with it and a lot of people are fine with that kind of format they just want to know just just tell me what this uh, you know, just tell me what this topic is. Like, what is the Voynich manuscript? Just, I just need to know, is it a book? What is it? An audio cassette? What, what is it? And I don't need to know anymore. And, and, you know, we try to start the show off with that, where you get that information, but stick with us. If you want to know a lot more about it, on the other hand, we can't go crazy with it. Uh, you know, there, you do have to consider it as, as a piece of entertainment, as a piece of, uh, information, uh, you know, hopefully that's entertaining to be informed in that way and try and tailor it. So you're just not going off the rails. And certainly a lot of people think we, we always do, uh, you know, we just did a six part episode on the Patterson Gimlin film, which was a big piece of Bigfoot, uh, evidence, uh, you know, from the, from the sixties that, uh, a lot of people have pointed to. And we, you know, going back to that earlier statement I made, we did as much as we wanted to on it. And a lot of people thought it was too much. I didn't know, need to know all that about it. But on the other hand, uh, we went through the story as much as we, we cared to and tried to make it as entertaining and informative as we could. And I think that was also appreciated by the majority of the listening audience, but certainly, you know, you, you're going to get some, you're going to get some feedback on it. So we try and keep an ear to what the listening, you know, audience, um, uh, 
would appreciate and will stick with, and we try not to bore them or, or, or have some drop off on the other hand, we balance that with, did we cover this subject as much as we personally wanted to? Because it's out there forever now. And it's a testament to our work and, and our dedication to it. And, you know, I feel bad if, you know, we do an episode, it's like, dang, you know, we, we forgot to mention this really interesting connection. And it might be, you know, some people might think it's a tangent uh, of some sort and is unnecessary, but I thought it was really a cool connection that I didn't know about. And I love nothing more than surprising Scott on the air uh, about something I just discovered. And it's like, isn't that cool? Like this person was actually connected to this story and you didn't even know it. You know, those are the moments that, that make it fun for us. Whereas some people aren't going to, to like that. And we were, that's fine for us, but it has to be a show that we like, that we would listen to ourselves. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a good point that I think a lot of people miss, right? If you're not making a product that scratches your own itch, you're probably not going to stick with it and it's probably not going to be good. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you have to, I mean, there's, there's so many things to balance as, as we've been trying to say here and that you have so many opinions about what you should be doing and so many preferences from everybody out there. They, everyone's got an idea of what they would like in it. And you, you're just, you can't please everybody. It's that old saying, you know, when you're trying to make everyone happy, no one's happy. So, uh, first make yourselves happy, but also, uh, you know, it's a, sh it, it should be a show again, that theme of, you know, what, what do you want this podcast to do for you? Do you want to make a living at it? We certainly, we're very fortunate and we're very grateful every day that we go to do this, that it's, turning into that for us, you know, and for other people that are starting out and it's like, well, you know, uh, geez, I hope to be making a million dollars within a year. It's like, that's probably not going to happen unless you're really lucky. Maybe you solve a cold case and, and now you're all over the national media and you've blown up that happens rarely, but you know, it's like getting drafted into a, a major sports franchise. It's like that might happen, but I plan for it not happening more so. <laughs> Uh, but, but does, that doesn't say you stop working at it, you know, keep working at it, but also, uh, you know, take a cue from some shows that you really do like and, and learn from them. And, you know, I, I had a, a film background. I went to USC, uh, you know, with the film school there and some of the people I thought were some of the best filmmakers out there didn't go to film school, but what they did do is that they loved film. They, they rented movies. They saw every movie that they could they read everything they could about them and they took notes and they studied and they tried to make that, uh, in, you know, they, they tried to incorporate that knowledge into their own product. They didn't just go wing it. And, you know, so many people I, I see like, well, I'm just going to go try, uh, you know, and, and not really put too much into it, but have great expectations from it. It's like, well, that might be an expensive lesson. And, you know, and, and, and you might give up after a while if you're not making any progress. Well, there might be a reason for that in that you got to, you got to put the work in. There's just is no that, way around that, it. You mentioned that in the beginning that before you launched the show, you did a little bit of, of research on, um, other podcasters in the category. Is that something you guys still do regularly? Do you still take time out of your week or month to dive into some of your favorite podcasters and see, you know, what are they doing? Well, what are some of the good trends? Um, oh, I, that yeah. You like? Yeah, I do. Well, I, I do listen to a lot of, uh, fellow podcasters now, what, how that's changed. And it's kind of funny. You know, when we started off, uh, we had a, a small collective of people who listened to the show and they wanted to be researchers and, and, and a few of those, you know, five or six or, or so, uh, kind of started off doing their own shows. Now we've gotten to that point where they said, you know what, I, I love this episode. I'm still going to help you guys out, but I want to do my own show. And, and they've been fairly successful at it. So, 
you know, uh, I think when you get to that point where, um, you know, you have some collaborative effort, uh, these people will start to realize like, well, I can do this too. And I love this. And so I, I guess, uh, what I'm saying is that, you know, I'm listening to a lot of their shows just to keep up with what they're doing. And I'm also looking for, for other new shows, uh, out there that we've heard about and, uh, and, and the people that we don't know is certainly like there's other uh, fellow podcasters, uh, uh, Aaron Mankey of lore, uh, I've listened to quite a bit, uh, and, and taken notes from, you know, his style and what he's doing right over there. And, uh, you know, there's a few other shows that, uh, I, we you know, radio lab for me, I, I think for storytelling and, and this American life were, you know, really influential, uh, storytelling, um, audio programs, but not exactly what we do. So like I said, you take notes from it, you, you see what's working for them. You see what maybe is not working for these other shows, but I do try to listen, uh, you know, to fellow podcasters out there and, and, and see what their approach is like. And not that we're, uh, you know, uh, trying to borrow everything that we think is working from them. Uh, I just certainly enjoy it. it, it Jim Perry from Euphemet is, is one that we, you know, we recently had on and he's got a very much, a, 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 st- a this American life style where it's just very eloquent storytelling, uh, with, uh, you know, on scene interviews, uh, with really interesting people and getting to the human side of these paranormal stories where we're probably more event based. We certainly have a lot of, uh, interviews and, uh, you know, we'll talk with authors, but really, uh, we're not so much in the field, uh, going out to these locations where, you know, that's what Jim's doing. I think it's great. So yeah, I, I think we do, we do try and keep up with, uh, as much as we can. We're certainly really busy, um, with our own shows and, and I, <laughs> I haven't listened to my own show uh, a lot. Scott has to go QC them. For yeah. I have to listen. Yeah, yeah. To make sure <laughs> that's another lesson, by the way, to anybody always listen to your entire show in real time before you publish it, because you never know what kind of horrible mistake is going to slip through. Oh yeah. You know, no. And it, I, I've heard it uh, can be a problem and I'm not saying just something technically embarrassing. <laughs> if you say something politically incorrect, especially in the current climate, you can sink yourself in, in one sentence. You just got to be careful about what you're doing and what you're saying. And it's always good to listen through before you hit the publish button. Yeah. There's and been I a few shows of, in, uh, commercial editing like because i always had to yeah. watch every tape they don't have tapes anymore but we would send tapes out and i had to look at every tape from start to finish and if something was wrong with it and i sent it out i would get fired so like i'm in it's ingrained in me and that's what i do with our sorry to cut you off for us but that's why yeah. i always listen to our show so yeah so i listen to that Forrest listens more to other shows than i do not because i don't want to but because we just it's there it's very hard to find the free time to do it because we're just um you know i have uh, a son that I'm, uh, I do a lot of the heavy lifting with, uh, cause my wife works full time still as well. And, um, so I don't have like two spare seconds to rub together between our show and my family. That's my whole life. And, uh, which is great. I love all of it, but it's very busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, you still have to live a life, you know, hopefully that you, yeah. you can squeeze in there and, and that's what we're working on really improving uh, at this yeah, point. Working yeah. Smarter. Yeah working smarter, uh, working hard when we need to, but not working unnecessarily at really weird hours where it just, just consumes your life because that'll turn into a grind as well. Even as much as you like the subject that will take, that will take over, you know, on on the other hand, you know, I think that's one, uh, real benefit I think to us and, uh, our attitude and, and, uh, our process is that we both come from professional, 
media backgrounds. Uh, like I said, starting off with doing film projects and then working in corporate media and video and, and Scott in the commercial advertising world. Uh, we, you know, there's no room for major errors. Certainly, you know, things get glitched up occasionally and, and that just happens, but, uh, we try to make it as professional and clean and smooth as we can going out with every element, including sound design, uh, you know, certainly with our content and getting facts straight to, uh, just how the website looks and the links and, and every, every bit of our offering here, we try to make as uh, professional as possible going forward. And there's a lot of podcasts out there that, and, and some doing really well that don't really care about that. And that's, that is one of the, the fun and, you know, uh, um, I would say, uh, uh, well, kind of like it's, uh, egalitarian things about podcasting is that it's a medium where you don't have to be a major network or studio to produce content. You could be a person in their, in their living room with a, with a few friends and a, you know, fairly decent mic and, and get by. And some of those have done really well. Uh, you know, but I would say that if you're trying to make something out of it, that is, uh, you know, that, that gives you a living, uh, that gets you sponsorships that, and, and grows your audience, you know, why not try to make every aspect of it as good as you can, as clean as you can, you know, within reason. Um, and you'll learn along the way what, what works and what doesn't hopefully. And you, you take those lessons, but yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there that they just don't care. And, and for some of them, a very few, it doesn't matter. But for a lot of them, I think there's room to improve depending on what they want out of that show. As I said before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, which is you need to have a quality product if you want to reach a, a large audience, right? And it needs to, you've mentioned before, it needs to be authentic to you and something that you love. Um, but I think that's one of the big myths that we're kind of, um, or, or one of the big myths that we're taught as creators is make a great product and people will come. And so you, I, I'm assuming you both know that that is not true um, <laughs> from your experience. So can you walk me through like, how did you go from, you know, four or five years ago, uh, virtually no audience to now being in a, in a position um, where you have a big enough audience to support yourselves um, from a career standpoint? Can you walk me through some of those growth tactics? Um, honestly, I think that the primary growth tactic for us has just been to keep our head down and produce the best content we can consistently and predictably. Like our number one goal for both of us to the exclusion of nearly everything else is to get the show out on time and have it be as good as we can possibly make it in that moment. Of course, after we publish it, it's like, oh, we should have done X, Y, and Z differently. Next week we'll do this or that. But that's like, that's the main thing. And you know, when we started, it was an entirely different landscape. It's funny. Um, I hadn't told this story in a while, but I, I literally, <laughs> read an article when we started said how to get your podcast out there like it you know it was literally like a, a little step list like 10 steps or something and it wouldn't apply now because everything is radically different but it it had somehow it was speculating on how the itunes algorithm worked that decided if something was going to get into the uh new and noteworthy section on itunes which um that was a big deal because, you know, and iTunes had a larger, a significantly larger share of the market then. They still have the overwhelming one now, but it is re reducing because so many different aggregators are coming out. But um, there was this suggestion that in, in this particular article that it wasn't just about the number of downloads, but the velocity of them. Like how 
how quickly were the thousand people that were listening grabbing it? Were they grabbing it all at once or were they grabbing it over, uh, you know, six hours or 12 or 24? And that if all the right things came together, they would take note of you and put you in the new and noteworthy section, which really got you out in front of everybody who was popping into iTunes at the time, which they've since, you know, they've since divorced that into m- different apps, the podcast app and iTunes is, is dead, they say, and all that stuff. So it gets, it's complicated, but I followed all those steps and I went to, you know, I had friends from my, as Forrest said, from my old career in advertising, I had, you know, six or 700 very close <laughs> friends on Facebook, <laughs> but, you know, all ad people who understood the value of a download. So what I did was I, I went onto my Facebook page at the time and I said, look, download this as we're doing our first episode. I don't care if you listen to it, just download it at the minute we come out. And I don't know if that worked, but for whatever reason, within a couple of weeks of us launching, we got into new and noteworthy on the iTunes, uh, front landing page. And I think that that helped get us get some momentum From that point forward, we have not taken a lot of really proactive steps. We have not really, you know, entered any, you know, they have the the Webbies and these different awards for pocket. We haven't really pursued any of that. We haven't done a ton of marketing, although we're starting to do that now uh, because we, you know, we have uh, arrangements. We have a marketing budget now that we get to play with. So we're going to start advertising and doing some things and, and it, but it's more kind of fun marketing, like in fate magazine and weird places that people that would like our show might find us. But, um, it's mostly been about that old expression. Content is King. And for us, like both of us, the number one goal is to make the show a, a consistently compelling show that is wired tight with good facts and good information and, um, you know, and we're bringing our perspective to it, which is what people are looking for and just continuing to produce that and not taking long breaks and not being unpredictable about when it's posting. And for whatever reason, that's just given us really steady growth. Um, eventually iTunes also put us in a scary story section, uh, for Halloween, which I don't know if we'll still be there this year, but you know, they put up seasonal stuff. So we would be in that group too. And originally that was only four or five shows. Now it's 10 or 12 and there's extra sections and everything. So that probably got us some extra ears too. Um, but we haven't beyond that. It's not like we've done a ton of guerrilla marketing. We're not out spray paint, spray painting billboards at night or anything. <laughs> but yeah. it's, uh, and it, it's just, it's just kind of grown. And I think it grows, uh, based on the fact that for whatever reason, I can't say that uh, we shouldn't have any credit for it. It's not like we, oh, we knew if we made this show, everybody would want to listen to it. We lucked into that, and it turns out that people are telling other people about it, and so that's why we're afraid to change too much. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he hit on a good point here. I, I, you know, podcasting really still is word of mouth. There's no, you know, there's no advertising organization for podcasts. It's, it's really most people. Uh, who find a show, heard about it from a friend as a recommendation, or maybe they saw it somewhere in an article. Uh, but really, it's, I would say, mostly still all word of mouth, which is great. It's a grassroots, uh, you know, in a global sense uh, kind of movement, but it's also very limiting in that, uh, you know, I um, I went to a talk with uh, Harishkesh, uh, Herway, Harishkesh, uh, who does the West Wing uh, weekly podcast and Song Exploder, two really popular, great uh, podcasts out there. This is years ago, uh, you know, maybe three or four years ago. 
and got some really good tips from him because he's made the head top banner on the iTunes in the iTunes store a couple of times uh, with both podcasts and is, you know, I think was regularly in the top 200. And he says, well, you know, I asked him, like, how much of a boost does, does that give you? And he said, well, not really. I mean, you'll get a little bit of a spike. He said, really making the top banner a couple of times didn't bump his numbers. Really? He said, what it did, uh, what does bump your numbers is if you have some kind of content that is already got an audience behind it. So with song exploder, he said, yeah, we had huge boosts when we had Bono on to talk about Mm -hmm. a U2 song. When we had Carly Rae Jepsen on her audience showed up for that. Now they don't stick around, uh, you know, um, all of them, but a few might. So you hope to capture those that, that do show up and, uh, you said, yeah, it, it's just up and down. So it's really, you know, we're very lucky again, that, uh, we experienced some organic growth. I feel, I think a lot of that was getting in at the right time when, uh, you know, p- the paranormal field, uh, in media is getting kind of a resurgence. Uh, you know, you're probably not old enough, but you know, when we were in, you know, in the seventies, that was kind of a popular topic. Uh, it was a very much of a spiritual, uh, you know, age of Aquarius type of thing with the, with coming out of the sixties and into the seventies and, and Bigfoot and UFOs were, were big topics. And don't let me in there with you, grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a few years behind me, but you know, it's, you know, and then it kind of, uh, it's always been popular with a certain set of of folks, but that kind of then dies down and, uh, you know, you can just tell from all the cable shows now and then the new ones are launching and this fall, there's going to be even more, you know, uh, all these UFO shows and, and ghost uh, hunting shows and, and, uh, you know, psychic kids. And, and it's just, there's, there's a little bit of a resurgence. So we're, we're kind of riding that wave a, a little bit, but it's a limited audience because it's still not a hugely universally popular, uh, topic not like uh the you know the explosion you're seeing with true crime and mm-hmm. and that's always been popular like you know i yeah scott and i we both love watching uh 48 hours mystery and uh dateline and and those kind of shows and those have always been popular and and podcasting has been uh you know part of it is the um you know it's, it's that old saying marshall with marshall McLuhan saying that you know that the medium is the message and here the medium you know podcasting that is the message in that it's a, it's a lifestyle kind of, uh, audio offering or entertainment offering, uh, media offering, and that, uh, it's tailored to you. You can listen whenever you want, doing whatever you want. And you can't do that with video. You can't mow the, it's hard. To, it is hard to mow the lawn or, uh, uh, or take a bike ride while watching YouTube. You probably shouldn't be doing that. So, but uh, you, you can, can do listen it on to you have a robot controlled combine, maybe you know, you're in that <laughs> air cab. We yeah. do get a lot well, of, yeah. So I, <laughs> I think that, and I was going to say the other thing I think too that has contributed to our growth over the years uh, is the fact that we went into it. It was a niche already, but we went into it wanting to differentiate from not only the pre-existing shows, but uh, more the the genre of the paranormal shows. It, like paranormal was kind of a bad word when we started for us. I didn't want to say it a whole lot because I felt like the brand of paranormal was this really serious. Uh, melodramatic thing and we wanted to come in we're going to be conversational if we're going to if something is funny i don't care how scary it is we're going to joke about it (laughs) and we're going to also and the other thing we wanted to do was we wanted to be able to talk about these mysteries not just the this the the really fringy stuff which is cool to get out there and get you know way into but we also wanted to get into the opposite end of the weeds with the really mundane and you know what maybe this was just x y or z and it's gotten blown out of proportion and to take that across the board 
And no one was doing that when we started. So that was what was different about um, getting into that that particular genre. So I would again say to listeners who are trying to start a show, if you're going to go out and you're going to do another, you know, we joke about like, why didn't we just drink beers and talk about movies? It would have been a lot easier. So, (laughs) but like, if you're going to do something like that, you've got to, you want to bring something different to the table, not just different, but uh, different and compelling as opposed to just doing another version of something there's already 10,000 versions of out there. We, we also try to be really respectful uh, to the subject and to the people that we're talking about. Yeah, we don't make fun of people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you again, going back to it, like if you want to have a show where you're you're really just debunking everything and, and laughing at people, not with them, you can certainly do that. And there will be a, an audience for that. But one of our aims to become successful at this is to capture as broad of a swath through the through the middle section of the listening public as we could. And that for us meant not getting political, not bagging on anybody's religion or beliefs. Really, uh, we'll get we'll still get in and we'll tell you what we think is more likely. But we're not on the outset dismissive of anything because, as we've you know, anybody will tell you who studies this uh, kind of stuff, especially uh, with supernatural and paranormal uh, subjects, is that you don't come away with more answers; you just come away with more questions. And nobody knows what's really going on out there. So, uh, you know, as much as they want to tell you that they've, you know, mystery solved it, they, they really haven't. And we're here to present all sides of the story. But again, yeah, we have opinions, of course. And that's part of the, uh, we think the, the charm, if there's any to our show is that we will tell you what we think. And, uh, but really you, the listener are meant to decide for yourselves and we hopefully have given you enough of viewpoints. We can't certainly can't cover everything, but we'll give you enough of the major viewpoints that you can know about the subject now and you can form your own opinions and you may not agree, but that's the, you know, that's part of the, uh, the fun of it and the, you know, and keeping it civil is a big part of how we do it. And another aspect I think of our growth is, uh, we try and be very so- active on social media as much as we can. We certainly, you know, and, and with letters and we, you know, we feel kind of bad. We can't answer every letter, but we do try to read all of them. And we, you know, we're, we try and be as active as we can on, on Twitter and other social media platforms. But, you know, you're, you are limited in that in that sense, too. But being interactive with people is another huge factor of uh, engagement with the listening audience nowadays. And because, you know, they're you're in your, you know, you're in their ear for hours at a time. At least we are You know, for it could be a stretch of two or three hours for an episode. And they feel like they get to know you. And, and there's a, a few members of the audience that interact with us re- regularly. We feel like we've gotten to know them. And it's a very personal form of, uh, of medium here. And that it, it is kind of an earworm. It's in your brain. And mm-hmm. you hear our voices so much. And, uh, you know, so it becomes a very interpersonal thing. And, and, and keeping that up, I think, has also um, helped us kind of grow the audience as well. And that, you know you know, we want to deliver the information and, and there's a lot of other podcasts out there where information is not the big thing. Really. The big thing is they're your audio buddy. You know, they're two people or, or, or one person that you can tune in to hear and they're always there at a regular time and you feel like you've gotten to know them. And it's a one way, (laughs) it's a one way relationship, but, uh, you feel like you're part of something. And I think that feeling has a lot to do with, uh, why people like podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm getting is interactive, and open-minded 
And they say that open-mindedness is a great, uh, is directly correlated to intelligence. So what I'm hearing is just a couple of smart guys. <laughs> well, we, so just be we'll smart. Try to fake it. Yeah. As, as best we can. But no, that, you know, I, I, again, that's our, our approach is that, uh, you know, we've, we have people we known who have, uh, uh, who've, you know, tried to do a podcast and it's like, well, you're really limiting yourself. Uh, if you're not, I, I think if you're really trying to make it an, a niche thing, which is okay, you can be real, you know, just a bunch of dudes in the basement, uh, and, and being very locker room about it. And that works for some shows. Uh, but you know, we didn't know, we didn't think it would work for us because that's not us really. Mm-hmm. You know, we are trying to be ourselves as well on the show. And, uh, and also, you know, it's a sense of inclusiveness, I guess. We're not trying to shut anybody out or, again, make fun of them or shut them down. We're trying to, you know, in an attempt to be as successful with this as we can, to get as much of the audience as we can. And I think, you know, maybe we're doing something right when we get letters saying, you know, we're we're, we're too incredulous or we're not credulous enough. We're, you get We get both ends. It's like, really? Because this other person said here, we, we'll believe in anything. And then the other person says, you guys are just totally bagging on this one great idea, which I think is true. It's like... Well, there you go. I think we're we're running down the middle, and and uh, you know, so far it seems to be working. But, um, but like I said before, you you know, if you if you want to uh, make fun of people, you can certainly do that. But that might not be the biggest part of the audience out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, so a couple last questions here, um, just to give people an idea, because I I think it's awesome that you you both get an opportunity to, and also to have a team, you know, to fund this thing. Um, I'm curious, like, can you give us a, a range of like, what, uh, what are you guys doing in terms of monthly downloads? So people have a little bit of a, you know, maybe a, a target to aim for or something like that. Well, um, on a per episode basis, our monthly downloads are run anywhere from 150 to 200,000 per episode. Um, the other wow. thing that we make available is our entire archive since we started. Our back catalog is fully up there and there's a lot of people that are finding us and they go back and run through old shows or maybe they're re-listening or whatever. So right now, um, and for, I guess for at least a year, we're, and it's, and it's slowly climbing, we're averaging, I'd say, between 1.1 and 1.2 million listens total across all of our, our new episodes combined with our, our, our older shows, which are evergreen in a way because it's not super topical. Um, you can come listen to a show about the black eyed kids anytime from the time we released it to 20 years from now. And it's still about the black eyed kids. So, um, I think that has helped us out. So yeah, so we're, we're basically doing a a little over a million downloads a month across all our shows and a, and a, and a, anywhere from 150 to 200,000 per episode for new episodes in the first 30 days or so. Wow. So, and you guys do three episodes per month. Is that right? Usually. Typically? Yeah. It, it varies a little bit, but it's usually three weeks on and in one week off. Sometimes it varies just because the calendar year has breaks in it. And, um, we, and also to keep us sane, cause, uh, we, you know, we started out bi-weekly, um, and that was a little bit easier to manage. Uh, but people wanted more. And at the time our income was a lot lower. So we added, uh, 13 more shows to the year. And, uh, that has become really hard to keep up with. So that's where we're at now. But the, um, the, yeah, so it's, we do 36 shows a year right now. Um, wow. That's, that's incredible by the way. And I love that, um, that like really speaks volumes to the long tail of podcasting, right? I mean, more than half of your 
downloads are coming from from backlog. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of archival stuff. Just keeps uh, going out there, and we're we're in the process actually of putting all our. We have a YouTube channel, but there's really not much on it. Just little things here and there that are connected to episodes we've done that had video that people wanted to see. But we're getting ready to put our whole back catalog up there as well. So um, we're hoping to reach some new listeners that way. Awesome. You just going to put like a static graphic or like use headline or uh, something we, like we that? We had something designed uh, by a friend in After Effects. So it's a, it's a little more interesting than a complete static. Uh, but it's... Uh, it's um, you know, just kind of a, a, a waveforms connected to our audio. So we have to render each one out in After Effects, which takes time. But uh, yeah, so it's it's a little, not not a complete lockdown of the logo. I just, you know, because I figure we're, we only barely deserve to be on a, a YouTube anyway with no picture. But yeah. at least we can make the picture a little more interesting. <laughs> if we had unlimited funds and, and time, it would be fun to animate. Uh, yeah. All the, yeah. That was all one of our stories. original ideas yeah. was to, yeah, to do something kind of like... Um, like Ricky Gervais had done on HBO with the Ricky Gervais show. I loved that, that it was animated. And then there would be the stories with um, yeah. Carl Pilkington, which is hilarious, real yeah. minimalistic animation. But uh, Well, some advertising um, friends of Scott actually animated. Uh, they'd actually shot, and uh, uh, it's it's a bit of animation and, and art direction for one of our early stories. Actually, it was the first one we ever recorded, Devil in the Diner. That yeah. was actually the very first interview, that the, the very first thing we got on on. Yeah, we didn't tape. release it number <laughs> one. Digits. But we, yeah, but it, yeah, it was the first one. But they, yeah, they, they, they made a very cool just the story. Uh, section. Yeah, it was a lot of people like that. That's up on YouTube, and uh, you know you can't certainly do that with everything. And it was, a, but it was a perfect little short thing, a creepy little story to uh, to do a little visual backdrop on it, and uh, it certainly helped out the uh, it certainly helped out the show. But yeah, you just don't have the time to to do that with every with everything you 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 do. But hopefully we're we're trying to get uh, some more content up there because that is another huge aspect of the audience, which is I think maybe the, one of the last untapped pools of uh, you know of uh, media consumers out there is the YouTube audience because they're used to short bits of video, and a lot of them I think are and again that might be the very younger set who just aren't familiar with audio only programs and don't know how great they can be and, and we're really uh, encouraged by these. Uh, platforms that are coming out for for kids which are just stories uh being told to them and, and if you remember when you know when you're very little your parents are reading a story to you they're not showing you hopefully a youtube clip before bed and just like mm -hmm. here have the ipad and fall asleep and i'll come grab it in about 20 minutes you know it, it's 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 its own really rewarding uh theater of the mind to you know to use the old chestnut quote there in that it's a it's its own thing and you can do so much with it uh but yeah, we we also kind of want to tap into the the visual aspect of it. If uh, if we could ever figure out how to be even more efficient uh, than we are, yeah, videos. That's the thing. Video is hard. It takes a lot of resources. Um, yeah, editing, front end, back end, everything. Um, so we'll we'll cross our fingers. Hopefully that'll become easier down the road. Uh, we'd love to see you guys dip into that a little bit more. But excited to see. You you know, what you guys do on YouTube with, um, with the backlog, that'll be exciting. Um, last question here before we kind of wrap up with, uh, some links out to, to follow you guys in the, the final five. Um, where do you both see podcasting going in the next five to 10 years, um, at a high level? Uh, well, I'll start, I think uh, Scott can fill this in. I, right now, I think everyone who is following the, the medium of podcasting is seeing a corporatization, if you will, of the medium, which of course that was going to happen. It starts off as, uh, really independent. And that's, I think that fortunately that's going to still stick around is that 
you will have a lot of independent successes. But of course, when there is money to be made in anything, larger, more powerful and well-funded interests are going to come in and try and capitalize on it. And that's what you're seeing now. And there are some, uh, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I think they're, they're producing some good content, but if you look at, uh, uh platforms like Wondery, uh, they're, they're a production machine. They're hiring, uh, you know, uh, people that I know that I've worked with and that are friends of mine as, uh, you know, that were, uh, cable show producers and reality show producers, and they're hiring them to craft the stories and write and draft these things. So you're getting a really polished product, and that has a lot of appeal. But also, uh, it's it's really the public's taste in this, and that you, they can like a show with just two dudes that are half drunk, <laughs> talking about uh, you know movies and Dungeons and Dragons and and just their favorite favorite uh, you know comic book hero characters, and that's fine, and that'll find an audience as well. So I uh, you know uh, I I see. I see it kind of settling. It's really the wild west out there still as far as sponsorships and content, and that will settle down and gel a little bit. But I think, uh, hopefully you'll still see a blend of, of corporate and independent and both doing really well. Yeah. And I think, uh, for my part of that, I, I think that, um, uh, there's going to be, you know, everyone's experimenting now with premium content subscription services and all of that. There's a lot of companies who are trying to get into that. Um, we get approached by them frequently ourselves. And it, I think that sooner or later, something will shake out that way. Because if you look back at the history of, for example, cable television and when it started out and it, first it was a hundred channels. And then after it was a hundred channels, it was the exclusive channels like HBO where you paid for the channel and there was no ads. It's a natural progression. And that's going to happen in podcasting too. But somebody's got to be the HBO. Somebody's got to do a proof of concept with the model and then that model will get duplicated and there will be pay channels everywhere. And then there'll probably be package wars and all that kind of stuff. So I think all of that, because history repeats itself when, when it comes to media and delivery of media, that's what happens. So that's definitely all going to come down the pike. We're just going to kind of sit on the riverbank and wait for the, the floodwaters to recede a little and see what's still out there, I think. But um, so that's, you know, the, I think our main goal is to stay alive while all that's happening <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, and again, like Forrest said, there's a lot of corporate entities getting into it. And um, there's to a certain extent, there's these factories popping up that are, you know, producing content that I think maybe isn't as good as it could be. So there's going to be a little bit of that. There's going to be some homogenization there. But hopefully there will always still be room for the independent producers and people who have a lot of uh, faith and passion in, in, in whatever they're producing, independent or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can certainly only hope because, I mean, that's the that's the beauty of podcasting, right? It's all yeah. about the, the small creators and giving them an opportunity. Um, well, good stuff guys. Uh, how can we stay in touch with astonishing legends and, and both of you guys going forward? Well, um, the easiest place to find us is astonishinglegends.com. We are also on Twitter. If you search for astonishing legends, you'll find it. Although our handle is missing some vowels because they're <laughs> enough characters. Um, <laughs> but if you look us up, we're, we're there and we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook and there's a, a dying version of us on Tumblr, which hasn't been updated in like a year and a half. And right, then, right. Um, it, well, and any other podcast provider, all, all the major ones, so yes, iTunes, all of them. Stitcher, uh, Google play, uh, you, you can find us anywhere there. If you just search astonishing legends and, uh, you'll, you'll hear us, but yeah, if you want to see, uh, some photos and, and links that uh, connect to our research and maybe, uh, you know, uh, sponsor information for the, uh, that particular episode, you can find that at astonishinglegends.com. Yes. Awesome. And, uh, I was trying to think, uh, if there, oh, and if you wanted to email us, you can email us at astonishingcontact at gmail.com. 
Um, oh, and nice. there, there's a, uh, there's also a contact form on our website and, uh, responses may take one to two years, but yes, but we, yeah. will, we will eventually get to it. <laughs> but we yeah. read them all. We read yeah, them pretty true. soon. We read them pretty much the day they come in. We just, it takes a while to sit down and it takes us taking a few weeks off to go back and, uh, reply to people. Yeah. Got it. Awesome stuff, guys. Well, let's wrap up real quick with the final five. Um, we'll just go back and forth here between you two. Um, number one, Forrest, uh, what is the best book that you have recently read? Oof, geez. Uh, I, I just cracked uh, John Keel's Mothman Prophecies, which, uh, we, yeah, we did that show years ago, like I guess two years ago now, the episode, and I had skimmed through it and read server, uh, several uh, anecdotes and, and sections in it, but uh, that's the one I'm really most excited about uh, reading from beginning to end here at a leisurely pace. Other than that, I would ask you, what is it like to read for fun? Because I have not done. We don't get to do that anymore. Fiction. Yeah, I've not read any real fiction. <laughs> I mean, it's here fun. In a long time. Yeah, it's fun. What we read is fun, but we, yeah, we the, we uh, my you know Tom Clancy days are long behind me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no big <laughs> thick summer beach reading novels anymore. It's uh, a lot of nonfiction and uh, a lot of stuff on the web. But um, you know, again, hopefully uh, we'll have uh, more time to to devote to to you know more just pleasure reading where, where this is pleasure but also business mixed in uh, with with these subjects. So uh, yeah, I think that would be the one that uh, I I just want to uh, dedicate myself to finishing. Awesome. Number two, uh, Scott, who are, I know we talked about it a little bit and you mentioned you don't listen to a ton of podcasts right now, but if you had to pick one or two, who are some of your favorite podcasters right now? Um, honestly, my, the shows I like are generally repurposed from radio. I have to say, cause my, my favorite for a long time and what inspired me to want to start our show was radio lab hands down, which is coming out of WNYC. Um, I'm also a big, I'm a news junkie. So I'm also a big fan of wait, wait, don't tell me. Um, so I'm, I really like those shows. I know those are like, uh, professionally produced. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm big fans of those and I'm, I'm fans of all the shows that are friends of ours as well, that we're kind of in our Twitter circle. There's all some really good shows out there that have come out of, um, our circle of friends that Forrest was talking about, like our strange skies and mad scientist podcast and, uh, whatever remains. Those are three, uh, three shows that I really enjoy as well. Awesome. Uh, Forrest, what does your ideal pizza look like? <laughs> Usually a, uh, a, a, a supreme, <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be square. I'll go, I'll go for square or rectangle. Uh, I don't matter. I, it doesn't matter to me how they're delivered, uh, into the, the eating receptacle, but, uh, generally one with a lot of stuff on it. So I'll take a supreme or a, a meat lovers or, you know, one that's loaded up with stuff. How's that? Sounds delicious. I'm in, yeah. <laughs> um, Number four, uh, Scott, dead or alive. Is there anyone throughout history that you would love to interview for a podcast? Um, dead or alive. Anyone I would love to interview. St. Germain. Uh, yeah, but is he dead or alive? Well, uh, <laughs> you could be both. This guy is yeah, he's Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. I, you know, I think, um, God, I, I think I would probably go with, uh, J. Allen Hynek. Um, was a, uh, UFO investigator. I'd be very interested to talk to him about his life and experiences. Okay. Interesting. Not, um, who was the guy that was just on Rogan recently that was, um, supposedly worked in area 51. Um, they just did a documentary on him. Oh, Lazar. Lazar. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Yeah. What's your, I'd love to talk to him too. Or, uh, uh, Fenimore Cooper. What's, uh, that wrote that other, uh, on a pale horse. Wasn't that Cooper? Yeah. Oh, never mind. No. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting too far afield. Oh, I know who you're yes. talking about. Yeah, Robert, not not Robert Anton. I've Wilson. got it in there on my. Okay. Yeah, him too. 
Yeah. No, there's, there's it. so many authors out here <laughs> that, uh, you know, and I think the, the big questions is that we, we want to know what they know and how they came to know it. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you tapped into? Uh, especially, you know, I, I have some other, uh, a couple uh, this, uh, this other couple that, uh, do paranormal uh, research and investigations on the side. And, uh, we'll often say like, is Stephen King, is he psycho? What, what's going on? How does he know these, uh, these aspects of this supernatural kind of stuff? Is he, what is he tapped into? And, and so I'd be, yeah, we'd be curious to, to, to just get resources and, and, uh, you know, you know, tap the brains of some of these uh, great people who've uh, done some amazing things and, and produced some amazing content out there over the years. But uh, oh, certainly John there's a lot Keel. of stories. Actually, John yeah. Keel would be at the top of my list. Yeah. John yeah. Keel. Yeah. yeah. Top. Absolute top. Hence yeah. the book. Just to, just to see, yeah. to hear about some of the personal experiences that may have not made it into his books. That yeah. just the weird stuff. He's like, I can't even put that in. I can't yeah. put that in a book. No one's going to believe me. Oh, I love it. I got some some people to to research now, so I'm excited. <laughs> That'll be a fun rabbit hole to go down. Um, last question. You guys can both answer this or, or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were going to start from scratch today, is there anything you would do differently with uh, launching a podcast? Um, I would think, yeah, I would reduce the calendar commitment, the number of episodes <laughs> that, we, <laughs> that we have per year. Um, I that's what I would say. I would say, uh, but now you know it's funny. Since we started, everybody started doing seasons in air quotes, uh, which you know, video games are doing. Everybody and a season, it's a great word now because you can just make it up. We're about to roll out a new show, actually, and um, we're going to do seasons too. I'm very excited about it because it's like <laughs> we're going to do a, take a couple of these that are yeah. finished and call it a season, um, which is pretty. Odd. That's probably what I would do. I would I wouldn't be opposed to uh, switching our own model to that if i could talk forest into it but uh, well instead of 36 yeah. a year <laughs> yeah but, but see, seasons really that's uh you know that implies a thematic story arc or or thematic arc no, it where, doesn't uh well it should that's <laughs> that's my point <laughs> you're saying doesn't. it was a, a made-up word yeah it's like it's a made-up we word. what do we have really a, a season of astonishing legends it's like well you know, like I said, thematically, it's like, well, you know, season two, all UFOs, all the time, nothing but. And season three, ghosts, nothing but ghosts, you know, and and you're going to limit ourselves. So, uh, and again, our going back to our original idea of like what we wanted the show to be, it's just like whatever strikes our fancy and, and we uh, want to fit it into the schedule. We certainly consider, I think a lot of people think that we don't, but we certainly consider the order of shows. Like we don't want to have five of the same topic in a row. Uh, you know, different subjects, but that's all the same the genre. Answer the question. What would you do oh, different? What, what I would do is, well, that, that's the thing is that it's, it's kind of a conundrum because when we were first starting off and, and you're always chasing, it's like, oh my gosh, we got, we have another show this weekend and then you get a, maybe we, a weekend break and that doesn't seem like a break at all because you're still doing little bits of research and work on it over the weekend you're supposed to have free. If we could do a season, hopefully two, se- two seasons or two years of shows, a year of shows in the can before we even launched, that would have given us a head start that we could keep ahead of. But, you know, what we know is eventually we'll, we'd run out of that lead, you know, because life happens. Stuff comes up, you know, your family members get sick, uh, you know, your, your car broke down, whatever it is, things pop up and it delays you and you'll eat into that lead. But if we could have done that, uh, that would have been great. However... Uh, nowadays, like I said, if you're when if you're wanting to launch something, then you probably can't wait anymore. When we started, we probably had that option of like, you know what, let's not start in 2014. Let's get to fall of 2015 or summer of 2015 and have just even six, eight shows in the can and tweak those as good as we can, because that's what's coming out 
And it's so much more competitive now, just in those few years. So in 2019, you're, you're in a sea of, of all these new shows, all scratching for uh, earballs, as we say, just the listenership and, uh, and hand raisers and all those people to get their attention and to hold it. That's the big thing is that, yeah, there's so many choices. People will listen to a few and then there's 10 other shows that they could be hitting and they will. And hopefully they'll come back to you if they, if it's good enough or you've piqued their interest. But that's what I say we would have been doing differently is, is yes, what Scott said, you know, adjusting the schedule. So it's maybe not that heavy of a commitment, but also giving uh, everybody uh, enough of what they want that we stay relevant. Mm, yeah, that's a, obviously an intricate balance. Um, but I appreciate the insight. I think that that should be really helpful for people. Um, well, Forrest and Scott, thank you so much. You've both been extremely gracious with your time. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking podcast. Thanks so much. Thank yeah, you so absolutely. much, DJ. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Hello again. This is DJ. Just wanted to thank you so much for listening to the show. If you like the show, feel free to let me know on Instagram at DJS Podcast or by sending an email to DJ at BehindThePod.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again. Bye.